A company has raised hundreds of millions of dollars to bring back the woolly mammoth and the dodo bird. A Massachusetts bill would cut prison time for organ donations. And a Canadian province tries decriminalizing hard drugs. These are the weird stories for Thursday on Weird AF News, the only daily weird news podcast in the universe. I got three weird stories from all over the globe for you. Let's do it. A company is trying to bring back the extinct woolly mammoth and the dodo bird. They've already raised $200 million to bring back these extinct animals. Can't get a million for the nut allergy, but let's bring back these extinct animals. <laughs> cool. My whole life, I just got to watch people eat Nutella on a banana and just drool and wish that it was me. Can't cure the nut allergy, but let's bring back the woolly mammoth. Hey, look, I'm all for bringing back extinct animals. One thing we should also think about is maybe pouring some money into keeping the current alive animals that are not extinct, you know, thriving. Let's provide a nice life for them as well before we bring back the dead ones. This company made some headlines. They announced that they're going to revive the woolly mammoth. And they're going to also pursue the de-extinction of the iconic bird known as the dodo bird. They're going to be using funds that they raised through a what's called a Series B funding. Can we get a Series B funding for the nut allergy? That'd be pretty cool. Just gonna, I'm just going to keep harping on that because I find it to be ridiculous that this thing still exists. You know, it's 2023. You can control a sex toy over the internet from 3,500 miles away, but a man can be killed by trail mix and we're all okay with it? This article begins with a quote from Beth Shapiro, who's a PhD and a board member and lead paleogeneticist, who sounds like she makes a hundred times what I make in this closet. She says, well, the dodo is a prime example of a species that became extinct because we people made it impossible for them to survive in their native habitat. Yeah, and we're currently making it impossible for many species to live in their native habitat. We are taking over the habitats and toxifying the habitats. And it's no bueno for a lot of near-extinct animals, sea creatures as well. Um, I, cover, I, I didn't cover a story, but I saw a very sad story about a lot of whales that have been washing up on East Coast shores because of wind farms that have been... Uh, built in the ocean and I guess it's creating a, a hazard for them. It's an obstacle for them on some level. Very sad. Uh, the good news is we have science to fix the situation, right? And if they can bring back the dodo and the woolly mammoth, then perhaps, you know, when the African elephant is extinct, we can bring that back too. And it's only a matter of time before that bad boy's gone. Here's some more. Quotations from Beth. Having focused on genetic advancements in ancient DNA for my entire career, and as the first to fully sequence the Dodo's genome, I am thrilled to collaborate with Colossal and the people of Maurit Mauritius on the de-extinction and eventual rewilding of the Dodo. I particularly look forward to furthering genetic rescue tools focused on birds and avian conservation as well. The dodo is the third animal that Colossal is hoping to de-extinct. I assume Colossal was the name of this company that's doing this. That would have been helpful if they said that up top. Uh, it says here, along with the woolly mammoth, they're working to bring back the Tasmanian tiger. Oh, very cool. Uh, I imagine a 
museum of these extinct animals, and you can't help but think of Jurassic Park when you think about this. Um, could they bring back dinosaurs as well? Is that a good idea? Well, if the movie's accurate, probably not. Uh, if you don't know anything about the dodo, dodos formerly lived on the island of Mauritius near Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. They were three feet tall, weighed about 40 pounds. While there are plenty of drawings of this flightless bird, little is known about them. Well, might want to then check on uh, bringing them back so quickly if we don't know much about them. Uh, we're going to bring them back, then all of a sudden learn that they like to feed off human genitalia. Is that, <laughs> I mean, we don't want that. What if they strangely eat a diet of human hair? Next thing you know, they're just like chomping on people's heads. I, I think we should learn a little bit more about the dodo before we bring it back. We should learn everything we can about extinct animals before we bring them back. Can we all agree on that? Now, um, as part of this funding announcement, the company Colossal gave an update on the Woolly Mammoth Project. I know you guys are wondering about that. At present, there are more than 40 scientists working on the de-extinction of the woolly mammoth, which the company has described as, quote, the cuddly version of a velociraptor, noting that they were vegetarian and not threatening. Okay, that's good that we know that before we bring them back. The team has sequenced high-quality reference genomes for African and Asian elephants and artificially derived stem cells from both, which will be used for in vitro embryogenesis, an important step in bringing the mammoth back. The company hopes to fuse the DNA of mammoths that have been frozen in ice for thousands of years with that of modern Asian elephants. Colossal says, while well, bringing back creatures such as the dodo and the woolly mammoth, and how this might turn heads, their work will be just as important in helping the medical and environmental fields as well. It says, while bringing back creatures such as the dodo and the woolly mammoth and the Tasmanian tiger might turn some heads, Colossal says its work will be just as important in helping the medical and environmental fields. Very good, guys. All right. Good job. I don't want to see just a freaky zoo as a result of all of this research and money. You know, help the earth, help all the animals that are now on the earth if you can. How about that? And I don't want to see a Jurassic Park. We saw how that went south real quick. A Massachusetts bill asks prisoners to give up their organs and get out of jail early. I'm going to do a little Boston accent here and there with this one because it's fun. Massachusetts Democrats have a bold new proposal for prisoners. Donate your organs or your bone marrow and get as little as a couple of months off your sentence. The legislation, which has attracted five co-sponsors in the State House, raises major bioethical concerns for the 6,000 people currently held in the Bay State's prisons. In essence, this bill would ask prisoners which is more, impor which is more important to them, their freedom or their organs and their bone marrow as well. I guess that's on the table. They can donate their eyelashes and get out of jail two months early. That sounds like a nice deal, right, if you're a prisoner? <laughs> I don't know if I'm giving up a kidney, but you want some of my back hair? How about that? I'm going to give you my back hair and I get out a little early. Now, this bill appears to go significantly beyond other organ donation policies for prisoners. The Federal Bureau of Prisons says that prisoners may donate their organs while incarcerated, but only to their immediate family members. 
In 2013, the state of Utah allowed organ donations from prisoners who died while being incarcerated. Most other states do not allow organ donations from prisoners whatsoever. The Ethics Committee of the United Network for Organ Sharing, which is a nonprofit that administers organ transplants in the U.S., has panned proposals like this Massachusetts bill. Quote, any law or proposal that allows a person to trade an organ for a reduction in their jail sentence raises numerous issues. So says the committee. I agree. Well, let's read exactly what this Massachusetts bill states and let's make a decision ourselves. The bill is called HD 3822. It states the bone marrow and organ donation program shall allow eligible incarcerated individuals. It doesn't say what eligible means. Uh, I guess you have to have some organs to be eligible, I'd say, and some bone marrow. Uh, it says they will allow these individuals to gain not less than 60 and not more than 365-day reductions in the length of their committed sentence in prison on the condition that the incarcerated ind individual has donated bone marrow or organs, organs plural. So, I mean, I suppose you could donate uh, your spleen and your detachable penis, and then you can get out like a year early. might be worth it. A five-member bone marrow and organ donation committee, only one of whom is designated to be a prisoner's rights advocate, would decide how much time off prisoners would receive from donating their organs or their bone marrow. Now, they're saying that this current bill might not pass. It might not even be legal. According to a 2007 ABC News report on a similar proposal that was done in South Carolina, uh, they said it's probably going to be considered a violation of federal law. Congress passed the National Organ Transplant Act in 1984 that makes it a federal crime to knowingly acquire, receive, or otherwise transfer any human organ for valuable consideration for use in human transplantation. It is likely 180 days off a sentence could constitute a valuable consideration. The story also went on to say that there's a potential problem with this idea because prisoners have a much higher incident of HIV, AIDS, hepatitis, tuberculosis, etc. Well, I mean, you obviously would test them for those before you're just going to like take everybody's organ without testing first, I assume. <laughs> but is it legal? Mm. Well, that I really don't know. They're saying no, though. But then if it if it was completely illegal and there was no chance of it actually happening, I'd imagine they wouldn't even propose the damn thing. Um, you know, I don't know about uh, these incentives either. I mean, giving up an organ for just 60 days off your sentence uh, or even uh, half a year, uh, I don't think it's worth it at that point. Just wait the year and keep your organs, I'd say, at that point. Overall, though, this is a pretty disgusting thing to think about because it's just like treating prisoners like cattle. Uh, you know, just the, the maltreatment of prisoners in general is pretty horrific. Now, I imagine there is an issue with a lack of organs out there for transplants, um, which means a lot of people are missing out on such things and then are unfortunately expiring as a result. Sounds like a lot of states allow family members to donate organs um, and not strangers. Um, I'm not too familiar with that, but I'd imagine that you could do something else to incentivize the public to, you know, offer some help um, rather than simply treat prisoners this way and dangle a little six month off their sentence carrot in front of them. Um, yeah, it's a bigger problem that I'm not sure this addresses. We don't live in a world, at least I don't live in a world where everybody's 
so giving and, and want to help the population at large, you know, it's, it's tough living these days. It's tough going. And a lot of us are like, nah, nah, I got to look out for myself and my family. Anybody else that's off the table. It would be nice if we lived in a world where we would all help each other on a large scale, including, you know, donating parts to strangers that you don't know just to do something good for the world. Um, there's gotta be a way to incentivize that. I think, I don't know. What do you guys think of this? Call the show 646-450-2012. I'm living my life with the weird news. Living my life with the weird news. Living my life with the weird news. Weird news. Living my life with the weird news. Weird news. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Yay! British Columbia is going to decriminalize heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, and other hard drugs. One of the largest provinces in Canada is moving forward with a plan to become the first province in the country to decriminalize several hard drugs. Residents of British Columbia who are older than 18 will be allowed to carry up to two and a half grams of drugs such as cocaine, heroin, fentanyl, methamphetamine, and morphine. British Columbia was granted permission by the government to try out the plan for three years when the drugs will still be illegal, but those carrying less than two and a half grams will not be arrested, charged, or have the drugs confiscated. Instead, residents carrying these drugs will be offered information on health and social services. Oh, you get a pamphlet. Here you go. Uh, You get to scan this QR code to get a little bit more information about the drugs that you're about to take. You should offer them testing kits, too, I I think, right? How about some test kits? And uh, what's that drug to save you from a fentanyl overdose? Maybe give them a free one of those as well. We have a quote here from Jennifer Whiteside, who is the British Columbia Minister for Mental Health and Addictions. Um, She says, Decriminalizing people who use drugs breaks down the fear and the shame associated with substance use and ensures they feel safer reaching out for life-saving supports. We also have a quote from Carolyn Bennett, Canada's federal minister of mental health and addictions, who says this move is, quote, a monumental shift in drug policy that favors fostering trusting and supportive relationships in health and social services over further criminalization. Well, all right. So far, I kind of like the idea of uh, decriminalization of substances that does leave the door open for people to go out and get help who ordinarily would be too afraid to because of obviously they think that they might be facing a jail sentence if they admitted to what was going on in their personal lifestyle. Let's keep reading. Advocates for this plan hope it will address a spike in overdose deaths, which has left 10,000 people dead in British Columbia since 2016, when the country declared drug-related deaths a public health emergency. Many critics of this plan in Canada say it does not go far enough, and that two and a half grams is too, too low of a threshold that will not make a difference for users who consume large amounts of drugs. We now have a quote from Lisa LaPointe, who is British Columbia's chief coroner. 
Decriminalization, to my mind, would be if you have a substance for personal use, then it's for personal use, and the police should not have a role to play in that. What you decide to use for your personal needs is your choice. Now, some have publicly voiced opposition to decriminalizing drugs, including somebody named Chuck Doucette, who's the president of the Drug Prevention Network of Canada, who says that, quote, making drug use easier for them is kind of like palliative care. It's just condemning them to a slow death because of drugs. Whereas if you get them off the drugs, get them a life back, they can enjoy life. Uh, well, look, Chuck, I agree that getting them off drugs and getting their life back so they can enjoy life should be the primary focus. But does throwing them in jail do that? Is that the right way to get them <laughs> a life back? To allow them to enjoy life by throwing them in jail? for two grams of whatever chemical they happen to have on them? I question that. Now, other people in Canada have pointed out that similar plans in Oregon enacted two years ago have not yielded any significant results. And they say most overdose deaths in British Columbia take place in city centers where drugs have already effectively been decriminalized. I'd like to see some stats on that. You know, you want to back that up with some numbers? Uh, first of all, I don't know anywhere that where they've decriminalized these hard drugs. So, you know, you don't have a lot of stats on this and just one isolated experiment in one American city isn't enough to throw the hammer down against such a proposal. In my opinion, we need more data. Now, perhaps just handing them some health information when you catch them with hard drugs isn't the answer either. Uh, I don't agree with throwing them in prison, though. And I've stated on this podcast many times, I, it's my, in my opinion, you should be able to allow to do what you want with your mind and your body and your chemistry within your body. If it's done in the privacy of your own home and you are not harming the public or anybody in your family, you should be allowed to experiment with whatever you'd like to experiment as far as a lifestyle goes. I would suggest something on the line of this, perhaps a combo platter. You decriminalize these small amounts of drugs when you catch somebody on it, and you, but you, have, you offer a more invasive help approach rather than just giving them some information. Maybe you require someone who's caught with this small amount of drugs to attend an all-day seminar or something. You, you put it on them to do something a little bit more than just the choice of whether or not I read the information you just gave me, which is, a, you know, I'm assuming that's what they're doing. But then again, I don't even know if you have a budget for such things. That's the other problem. There's no budget to really help these people, um, at least in the U.S. That I, uh, that I can see. Perhaps in Canada, they have a budget where they can offer more help. Mental help is, is important. Therapy, counseling, all of that stuff. It requires a lot of money. Uh, but that, I think that's more on the line of, of helping these people. And you've got to sort of consider such things rather than the prison option, which is something that we do here in the U.S. I don't see that as a helpful solution either. Anyways, it's a nightmare situation. I don't have all the answers. I just have a hunch. Uh, maybe you have a suggestion. You want to call the show. You have the number. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Yay! Well, thank you, my listeners, loyal listeners, for joining me for another episode of Weird AF News. Tomorrow is Friday, so we'll only be doing news out of Florida, as you know. Or maybe you don't know. Maybe you're new to the podcast. Well, let me let you know. I should let you know that on Friday, we only do weird news from Florida. It's called Florida Fridays. And I am accepting all weird news from Florida from the week with open arms. You can email me stories to funnyjones at gmail.com. You can submit them through the website, weirdafnews.com as well. You can drop them into my Instagram DMs at funnyjones as well. I would love to receive some of those. I usually do, and it's super helpful. Thank you. I'm going to publish some phone calls after this. Love to hear from my listeners always, always. Uh, And uh, lastly, if you would love to support the show, I would love that if you would consider. On my website, weirdafnews.com, there's a couple ways in which you can do that. You can buy me a coffee by clicking on the Buy a Coffee banner, or you can join the Patreon as well, and that's like buying me a coffee every month. You also get access to additional Weird AF content that I put into the Patreon at least a couple times a week. I'm inserting stuff in there, anywhere between four and eight or nine items are in there, weird stuff that I come across, weird stuff from me personally, Um, videos and whatnot that I do that aren't really suitable for the podcast, I put them in the Patreon. Follow-up stories as well. There's bonus episodes going back years, years, if you're into that. Anyways, um, yeah, appreciate uh, that consideration. If not, I would love it if you gave the podcast a review, subscribe, and tell a friend or a neighbor Jonesy, hello, fellow weirdos. Um, Jonesy put out the call for the weirdo parents to weigh in on trying to get alone time in the bathroom. And let me tell you, I can relate. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my dad's bathroom breaks would always take like an hour at least. And we would always be like, what, like, what are you doing in the bathroom for up to an hour? And my mom would just be like, that's the time he needs. That's, that's how long it takes. And I thought that was real. Like I thought when I was a grown up, I thought it would take me an hour to be in the bathroom. <laughs> also, now I know he was just in there like, he probably wasn't even in the bathroom. He probably came out of the bathroom and laid down and took a nap, you know, and just kept saying he was in the bathroom. Um, but now like that I'm a grown up and I'm a parent, um, I don't see it so much in my own life. Like, my husband doesn't hide in the bathroom a lot. He usually just, like, goes to, like, his man cave or the garage or, like, you know, other other places other than the bathroom, I think, is, would be where he does it. Um, I will say, though, like, for me personally, when my babies were really little, like, when I had, a, like, a tiny baby, like – the bathroom was like legitimately the only place that I could be like, I need, like, I need to go. I have to go right now. And I could go to the bathroom and I would take extra time in there. Um, not like, not like crazy amounts of time, but like I would take an extra five or 10 minutes maybe. Um, because literally like when you have a tiny baby and you're needed all the time, you know, like, and, you know, I would tell my husband, like, I have to go to the bathroom. And, like, what? he's not going to question that. Like, you tell somebody you've got to go, you you need to go. Um, now that my kids are older, I think I, I don't do it in the bathroom anymore. But I, I do, like, 
go out and get a cup of coffee or I'll go grocery shopping and like I'll I'll take longer with grocery shopping or I'll like on the drive home I'll get a little bit lost and circle around a little bit extra or like I'll go like I have my pedicures, I have my chiropractor visits, grocery shopping, like that's my alone time now that the kids are a bit older. But I do relate to those that are hiding in the bathroom. So good luck with your life. <laughs> good, luck. good luck with your bathroom trips. Good luck with your bathroom visits. Good luck with your kids. Good luck with your life, man.